podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Double Century on the 99.94 Podcast Network. England are 33 for 7 in a test, but it's a different match than most. Like on day two, a sandstorm stops play. It is 1911, Buenos Aires, Argentina. And it is, of course, not a real test match. Well, certainly not one that we talk about today. But that is what the local media are calling it because of the players and the team. England are playing as the MCC, as they did when they played many of their tours. And they are led by Lord Hawke. They also have the great Archie McLaren. There are four other members of that team who have played or will play test cricket. And the rest are all first-class players. This is a proper England team. And as it stands, they are being humiliated by Argentina. Part of their trip over is to donate 36 bats to Argentina, or actually the Argentine. Because for decades, the British used to call it the Argentine. So think about this. England are struggling against a team of a nation that they don't even pronounce the name correctly, who actually needs more bats in the country. It's kind of mind-blowing. And it's because Argentina's new ball bowlers are Herbert Dorning and Peter Foy. They are each brilliant with the new ball, and especially on this day. However, the MCC do recover from 33 for 7 to 80 for 9 before a last-wicket stand takes them up to 186. Foy is the son of the Western Telegraph company manager, and he's only 22. After the Great War, he will play for Somerset. When Argentina bat, they struggle too, but somehow they sneak a lead of 23. But it's pretty clear that this match is heading for a draw. Everyone knows that. I mean, everyone that is, except for Dorning and Foy. This time, the MCC are 52 for 6. Again, the tail resists, but they get bowled out for 152 altogether. Dorning takes 6 for 65 and 4 for 40. Foy takes 4 for 65 and 5 for 49. Argentina need 136 runs in 100 minutes. But the openers, Evelyn Tulmin and Neville Jackson, add 75. And it means that they win easily by four wickets. Harold Garnett was their captain. He was born in Liverpool, he played for Lancashire, and he toured Australia with England in 1901-02. He'll score the winning runs. During the Great War, Garnett will be killed in France, like his teammate John Campbell. Another player in that side, Harry Biederman, he will die in Belgium. So Argentina win that test. But the series is not over. There are two more of these unofficial test matches. But remember that in early test matches, quite often the game was played and later it was given test match status. So this is an important game, even if it's not what we think of as a test match today. And so the MCC are not happy at losing and they take revenge, winning the second match by a whopping 210 runs. But there is a decider and the MCC need 102 to win. And guess who they run into? Dorning and Foy. They fall to 64 for eight and Archie McLaren hits a ball to mid off. It's dropped. McLaren sees the MCC home, and the MCC scrapes by 2-1 against Argentina. Now, this is all going to be kind of weird for you, because you've probably never thought about Argentinian cricket before. But think about it this way. A dropped catch prevented Argentina from beating England in an unofficial series. It was not a full-strength England side, but for years, England often never sent full-strength teams to the West Indies, New Zealand, India, or even South Africa. 
And this was England with Lord Hawke and Archie McLaren in 1911, and they went within a fumble of losing a series to Argentina. Yeah, the same team who recently was in the sixth division of the ICC. This series of double century is about mischances, the teams that got away. For the longest time, the narrative of cricket was that only the teams who ended up with test status actually loved the game. But there have been others that have shown the same passion, but who, for many varied reasons, did not make it into test cricket. In this episode, it is Argentina. Cricket took off there surprisingly early. They beat English teams from time to time. They played an international match before Test cricket was even born. And with some luck, they could have and should have played Test cricket. And if you take away Guyana, they are the best cricketing nation in South America. This is their story. The British soldiers who were taken prisoner during the invasions of the River Plate were the first to play cricket in Argentina. That was in 1806, where San Antonio College stands now. In 2006, Argentina celebrated the 200th anniversary of this event. The Buenos Aires Cricket Club was founded in 1831, though some sources mention 1834. Others even say 1864. That's disputed. What isn't is the fact that it is still the oldest sporting club in existence in the country today. And this is the bit that isn't talked about much. Argentina soon became obsessed with cricket. When Buenos Aires was under siege in 1859, a cricket match was being played. Unfortunately, the cricket pitch was outside the city limits on the other side of the invading army. So the cricketers sent an envoy seeking permission to cross the army to play cricket. By some miracle, it actually worked. And when they arrived, they found a dead horse on the pitch. But that did not deter them. Cricket continued. Cricket madness had completely taken over Argentina. And at the same time, it was also developing in Uruguay, then a buffer state between Brazil and Argentina. The Victoria Cricket Club was formed in Montevideo in 1842. The Montevideo Cricket Club followed in 1861. There was even a major cricket match where the Buenos Aires and Montevideo clubs met in 1868. It was an international match well before we actually had an official test. It was actually in the same year that the first Australian cricket team, the Indigenous players, toured England. And if you want to know how early it was, overarm bowling had only been legalised four years earlier. Test cricket was still nine years away. Argentina beat Uruguay by 32 runs. There was a railway employee called Thomas Hogg who took a hat-trick in this match. In the return game in Montevideo, Argentina won by 53 runs. They also played in Brazil in 1888. Chile in 1893. For the last tour, the Argentinian cricketers took a train to Mendoza and crossed the Andes on mule. It took them three and a half days. Once they were there, they beat the Chileans 3-0. And amidst all this, there was also a steady influx of the British into Argentina. This obviously meant a higher percentage of cricketers, some of whom had played a serious level in England. The first edition of the famous North-South match, the oldest rivalry in Argentine sport, was played in 1891. Think about that, because that's actually before the first Sheffield Shield match in Australia, and that North-South match continues till today. The North were led by former Lancashire player William Leach, one of the nine cricket-playing brothers and countless other family members involved. Leach had been in New Zealand in 1876-77 when he played for Canterbury against the English, who would of course go on to play their first ever test match in Melbourne shortly after. 
His South captain was James Gifford, who would later play for the MCC. I think you're getting the idea that there are proper players involved in Argentine cricket. And Herbert Dorning, who we mentioned before, it's worth going back on him. He was tall and strong, and he bowled left arm very quick, had a moustache, as so many people from this era did, and he sometimes took mid-over breaks for a quick drink. That was the only spirit of cricket he understood. His gamesmanship would match W.G. Grace or Warwick Armstrong. It should be said that there isn't much documentation when it comes to Argentinian cricket, and we'll explain that later. But we do know this, there are several instances of Dorning taking all 10 wickets in an innings. He averaged under 10 with the ball in club cricket, and with the bat, he once hit 163 with six sixes. No ordinary feat on the low-scoring Argentine wickets. Soon after they defeated the MCC came the Great War, and interest in cricket did dwindle for a little while. But in England, a boy called Clem Gibson had been making waves at Eton. The son of a peer, Gibson led Eton for two seasons, back when going to that elevated high school was so important for cricket that you had almost as much chance of leading your nation as you did becoming Prime Minister. These days, if you go to Eton, you can only become Prime Minister. And during the war, Gibson was so good, and because there was no first-class cricketer around, Wisden honoured five schoolboys with their Cricketer of the Year award in 1918, and Gibson's fast-medium bowling got him one of those awards. When Warwick Armstrong's Australians were all over England during the 1921 Ashes, Archie McLaren built what he thought was a super team that could beat them. He got the South African Aubrey Faulkner, who you might remember from an earlier season on Double Century, and a bunch of young students. One of those was Gibson. He took 6 for 67 to end the 34-match unbeaten run of the Australians. At this point, Gibson was studying in Cambridge, and he later played for Sussex and was picked for the 1924-25 Ashes Tour. He opted out for business commitments, which tells you the era that he played in. He was also in contention again for the 1926 Ashes, but he injured his leg. In the same season, he bowled Andy Sandham once and Jack Hobbs twice in the same match. That's two of the greatest batters ever, let alone of that era. And 1926 was an important year in cricket. West Indies, New Zealand and India all became full members of the ICC. That winter, Arthur Gilligan took an MCC team to India and Plum Warner took another to South America. Gilligan's team returned from India unbeaten, although they did lose a game against the Delhi Ladies. In the MCC side that went to South America, all but one of those was a first-class cricketer. Warner, of course, had led England. Gubby Allen and Ronnie Staniforth would later captain their sides. Farmer White was a test cricketer. And Alec Douglas Home later became England's Prime Minister, which doesn't suggest he was that good at cricket, but it's still a fun fact. Three unofficial tests were planned against Argentina. Gibson led the home team. Henry Marshall, the Argentinian wicketkeeper and opening bat, scored 105 in the first match. That one would end up in a draw. The MCC won the second match by 127 runs, but Dorning, now 52, continued to bowl for them, taking 3 for 34 and 2 for 43. 1-0 going into the last test, Argentina started with 134, which sounded pretty bad. But then Dorning came good, taking 7 for 38, and the MCC were bowled out for only 89. Allen and White then ran through Argentina for only 63. The MCC needed only 109 to win the series. But this time, Argentina found a new hero, off-spinner Dennett Ayling, part of another great cricketing family. He took 6 for 32, and the MCC were bowled out for 79. Warner was so incensed by the defeat that he forced the Argentinians to play him in another game. 
This one was not played in great spirit. The MCC won that by an innings with five minutes to spare. And because of that, Warner's ego was satisfied. But Argentina had again proved that they could hold up against the top sides. There is no doubt in this period that Argentina were as worthy a test-playing nation as India or New Zealand. They just never got it. Meanwhile, at the same time, their national football team won the silver medal in the 1928 Olympics and became the runners-up in the inaugural FIFA World Cup in 1930. They were right there. This was a country falling in love with sport and getting very good at it. In football, they were encouraged. In cricket, they were not. Sometimes it's as simple as that. But they did continue to play. Julian Kahn, the eccentric British business tycoon and cricket nuffy, bought a team to Argentina in 1929-30. And Kahn's team won the series, but he was so impressed that in 1932, Kahn sponsored an all-South American team to come back to England. This is the only time in their history that the continent travelled as a cricketing squad. Ten of the 15 members were from Argentina. There were three from Brazil and two from Chile. And of course, none from Guyana, as they were already part of the West Indies by that point. They were led by Gibson again. Dorning had finally retired, but Dennett Ayling and his brother Cyril were there. Khan's team scored 413 against them. Dennis Morkel, the South African test player, made 251 of those. But the South Americans went out and made 338. Then the Ailing brothers took five wickets apiece, and Khan's team were bowled out for 150. Alfred Jackson and Dennett Ailing then won the match with the bat. Now, I know it might not sound a lot to be a Julian Khan-led team, but you've got to remember that Julian Khan was basically going around the world hiring the world's best cricketers. This was like the best of the rebels. And when the South Americans played against the MCC, Cyril Ailing took 5 for 72 and 95 and received a standing ovation. Another English side would tour Argentina in 1937-38, but cricket disappeared after the Second World War, especially when the English withdrew their investment in the Argentine railways. And sadly, the great teams from before the two wars just couldn't be rebuilt. But the sport did continue to play. Argentina were there in the 1979 ICC Trophy, which was a World Cup qualifier. And they were set for the 1982 edition as well, which was in England. However, if you know your history, that's also when the war broke out in the Falkland Islands. So Argentina withdrew. But cricket continued to be played, even as the country got absolutely obsessed with their new hero, Diego Maradona. And coming into the 21st century, the team was actually starting to come back together. In the 2007 World Cricket League Division 3, they beat Papua New Guinea, Fiji and the Cayman Islands to rise to Division 2. If nothing else, a World Cup burst seemed fairly feasible. Unfortunately, from there, the Argentinian team just really struggled. They started to lose almost every match. They slipped back to Division 3, then 4, then 5, and finally 6. In many ways, they never really truly recovered from the moment that England sort of left Argentina. But there was also something else quite dramatic that happened in cricket. In 1948, the Buenos Aires Cricket Club was almost entirely destroyed by fire. Most documents and archives were lost, including valuable scorecards. And here's the funny thing. Many people consider it the work of Evita Perón, wife of the Argentinian president Juan. And the reason was that Evita had requested the club to allow her to use the ground and pavilion for a social aid event. She also asked for them to donate a month's salary. The club, probably quite rightly, refused. And soon afterwards, the pavilion was on fire. This is perhaps a coincidence. There's no evidence either way. 
But either way, from 1948 onwards, Argentinian cricket was never like it was before. But it's important to know that they still play cricket. And in 2019, when the ICC opened up cricket by assigning T20 international status to every match between two nations, Argentina went on to prove that they were still the best team in the continent. They cruised through the South American championships in Peru, beating Brazil, Chile, Mexico, and the hosts. And of recent times, there's also talk of a burgeoning rivalry between their women and the professional women of Brazil. So there is still hope that Argentina comes back. But there's no way of looking at what happened and not seeing a lot of loss. Argentina took on and beat the MCC. They were a proper team. They should have been given test status. They weren't. And cricket just allowed them to fade away. Double Century is a podcast on the 99.94 network. You can download our app via the show notes or look for us on social media to see all the podcasts and audio we produce. If you prefer your podcast at free, you can support us on Patreon to get that version. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century on 99.94 is a podcast narrated, produced and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes and co-produces the show. Double Century is my podcast about the history of the game, but I have another podcast called Red Inca, which is on the current game. Come over and hear us talking about when Faf Duplessis is topless or why T20 cricket is broken. Red Inca can be found where you listen to your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.